0: Hello, this is episode eight of season three. In this episode, I'll be taking you through how to spend your budget so you stay on track. Look, you can be very disciplined in setting your budget, creating a design that meets it, and getting all your ducks in a row before you start building your new home or renovation. And then you can let your spending totally run away with you and blow your budget in the process. So let's get that spending sorted. Here we go. So join me now. Our get it right podcast partner this season is Kiko LED. So Kiko LED is customizable DIY LED strip lighting that you can order online to your specifications. For your needs and your project so perhaps you've been looking for that integrated designed lighting solution and you found it really hard to access as a one-off for your project it's expensive to get made to order or it requires your electrician to do a bunch of work on site to make it happen but you can just see that led strip lighting channel concealed in your joinery or perhaps included in the walls of your stair void or around the edge of your deck to add drama in the evenings then i really encourage you to check out Key. Kiko L-E-D and that's Kiko K-I-I-K-O Now, previously, this level of customisation and design for lighting solutions, it was only accessible to those in the trade. And Kiko instead brings custom linear LED to you from their headquarters in Brisbane, Australia. And it's all able to be ordered online via the Kiko website. So you pick your design, you pick your length, you pick your LED light type. If you need help with designing your LED strip lighting solution, you can always jump on the phone or email one of their team as well. And I've been able to organise with Kiko a fantastic UA community-only offer. So if you head to their website at www.kiko.com.au forward slash undercover architect, you'll be able to access a $25 discount to use on your first order, and that link will be in the show notes as well. So pricing starts at $95 per linear metre plus shipping. So it's great quality, really affordable product that can really offer that lighting design edge that you may be looking forward to make your new home or renovation project feel great. Now let's get on with the episode. In the last episode I took you through all the steps in your project to get costing information and one of those steps that we looked at was number six during the construction project. Now, in this episode, we're going to dive more deeply into this part of managing your budget, because whilst you may have totally nailed setting your budget and designing a new home or renovation project that meets it, how you go about spending your budget during construction can significantly impact if you stay on track. One of the things that I often see occur is that homeowners will be so diligent during their early phases of their projects. They'll be total ninjas when juggling competing demands, sorting their priorities, hunting down bargains, making really strong decisions so that they meet their budget. And then construction will start. They'll head to site and they'll start seeing progress. And then they'll start changing things. Or perhaps they'll see a material or a fixture somewhere, they'll fall in love with it and they just have to have it, even though it's more than what they'd originally budgeted for or already selected. Look, this might be because construction feels like the very last point at which you can be sure that you've got it right. You know, that you can be sure that you've made the best choices for yourself because, you know, to be honest, once it's in, it's permanent and you're living with it. And perhaps too, it's also because it can be hard to visualise things when they're all on paper. You're looking at lines on a page that represent rooms and spaces and joinery, but you know I often see homeowners walk on site and they'll say, oh, is that what it looks like? Like it's the first time they've ever seen it and actually realise that that's what they're getting. I'll share a story that illustrates this last point in particular and the measures that we put in place to prevent it from slamming the building budget as construction rolled on. I worked with a builder who did a lot of his own projects. Over about 10 years, I think we worked on maybe six houses together. And the last one was a riverfront home in Brisbane and the home that he and his wife would be living in long term. All of the others had been projects that they'd lived in a little while before selling. But this one, they were staying put. Now I know there's so much extra pressure that happens when you're making your permanent home and this was perfectly visible in how they tackled this last home when compared to the other projects I'd worked with them on. You know these choices have long-term impacts for you personally and so they require a lot of consideration. Now the builder, of course, he was great at reading drawings, and the design process with him was always super collaborative. So, you know, he and I would work together really closely and make sure that the design was exactly uh, how he was envisaging things. Really, his wife, however, she found it so hard to read drawings and understand how that translated to the rooms and the spaces that she'd be living in. So. What we do is we just make sure that during the design phase we do loads of things to help her really understand it because her hubby the builder knew uh, that if he didn't he'd actually be the one dealing with the changes during construction and that's where delays and changes can get super expensive. Because that's the thing, when you make changes on site, be it because you've not understood how something was actually designed, or perhaps you've seen an alternative product or material that you'd rather use than the one that you previously selected, or you change your mind about anything that you've you know, chosen or included in your design, these changes will rarely save you money. More often than not, they actually will cost you far more in time and in money in your project. And it's in these changes that I see homeowners blowing their budget because they're spending a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit extra and all of those little extras, they add up over time and, you know, they'll then get a builder's margin added onto them and they can end up being a huge budget blowout. So let's go three specific strategies that you can use to spend your budget wisely and to stay on track for your project. Now the first strategy we're looking at is start how you intend to finish and finish how you started. So this strategy deals with a challenge I so often hear from designers when I speak to them about projects that they've been involved in. So we're thinking, you know, architects and building designers and and speaking to them about how they've worked with clients to try and keep their projects on budget. Now, these designers will have been working really diligently with their clients. You know, the client has expressed that they've got a budget and it's fixed. There's no more money and that's it. And so everyone works together really hard to make the project happen to make their home dreams come to life for the budget that they want to spend on it and everyone's militant about the budget they're pushing and pulling the design the selections the quotes so that the project actually meets the budget balancing every element and choice to ensure that money is being spent wisely and that the most economical solution is being found you know it I see this time and time again it becomes the mission of the designer and the client to make this happen like it's a quest you know to uncover the best design out for their budget amount and everyone high fives as they head into construction super excited about the process about what they've been able to achieve and what's ahead and then construction starts and the client starts attending weekly site meetings with the designer and the builder and unfortunately what I see happen and what these designers speak of is that the client then starts changing their mind you know they find a light fitting that they love and they just have to include it they realize that they don't actually want a budget on the tiles, that they want the higher cost version. And the costs keep climbing. You know, I've heard in some instances, I kid you not, that the construction cost has doubled, all right? So hundreds of thousands of dollars of extra money has somehow been found by the client to pay for these changes, now, you may think that a designer would be happy about this. You know, perhaps you think, well, they can relax now. They they don't have to be stressing about whether the project meets the original budget because the clients manage to find this extra money and they seem happy to make these changes and reselections and they're choosing these more expensive or more beautiful things and, you know, that ultimately might make the project look better and the designer look better for it. It's not the case. Every designer that I've spoken to about this, and also I know from my own personal experience, because this has happened to me several times as well we don't feel happy you know and I'll explain why look when you set a budget at the beginning of your project you actually set a design strategy as well so you know in setting the budget you set the framework of how a project can be designed as much as you determine what will be included in the design in terms of finishes and fixtures and features Now, if you had a bigger budget to begin with, chances are there would have been a different strategy, one that could have included all of those finishes and items that you loved and that you're now reselecting, you know, but you could have also changed the shape and the size and the way that the home was designed and the overall feel and look of it in the end. So when you hear a homeowner say, "Ah, our project costs way more than we originally budgeted, it may not always be the designer's fault or doing. And in fact, for experienced architects and designers that I speak to, most of the time their project budgets get overrun because of client reselections during the construction phase. Now, this strategy of start how you intend to finish and finish how you started, I'd like you to consider this strategy as a, as a tool for how you behave during the duration of your project Now, if you intend to be spending more money during construction, then let the designer know that you're keeping money aside in case you do feel that you need to change your mind because, you know, you know that that's what you're like and and it's how you operate in other parts of your life and you feel that it may happen. Or if you're being super diligent at the outset of your project and you're really driving everyone on your team and everything in your project to meet your budget, then Be as equally diligent as you move through the construction of your project. The most seamless projects that I've experienced are where every selection is made before construction even starts, you know, and then everybody can just stand back and do their job and get it delivered on time and stress, you know, without the stress and without the headaches. It's one of the reasons that project homes get built so quickly because all of the selections are made before any work commences on site And, you know, so I really encourage you to see if that's something that you can challenge yourself to do for your own project if you're really trying to stick to a budget and a timeline overall. So just how do you keep this diligence during your construction process? Well, this leads me on to the second strategy. And the second strategy to use is to monitor your progress in time and in money. Now, there's a great business quote, which I, you know, I think definitely applies to building or renovating your home as well. And it's, you know, that which gets measured gets managed. I'll say that again. That which gets measured gets managed. Okay. And the two main areas that require close management when it comes to building and renovating a home are these two, time and money. Okay, so let's talk about time first. Now, delays in time can mean having to source alternative tradespeople, different materials, additional interest payments on your mortgage, additional storage payments to keep either your belongings somewhere or to keep, you know, products being stored until they can be used. It can mean damage on site as materials are exposed to weather for too long. And it can also mean having to extend your approvals because you haven't met the expected timelines. I know that in one of our own renovations, we had longer than expected delays between the completion of different bathrooms inside the one house. So the tyler who'd quoted the job Initially had quoted to do every bathroom in the house. And we'd only, because of some other things that were out of our control, we'd only been able to get him to come and do one, and then he was coming back to do the second one later. But in the meantime, he'd had to move on to another big project that he'd committed to, and he wasn't able to come back to our job. And so we had to source a different tiler to finish off the other bathroom which meant then that we had to get it re-quoted and the second tiler was refusing to warrant the waterproofing that had been done by the first tiler. Look, we managed to deal with it all, we managed to get it all done and we managed to get it all warranted and guaranteed and sorted out but the tiling ended up costing us more overall and seriously it was just a headache that we didn't need at the time. You know, life does get in the way of the best laid plans, but time is one of those killers that can always cause problems in a project if you let it run away from you. Now time in a renovation or new home project will get mapped on a document that's called a project program. Now this will show timelines for different parts of the project and when it's done well it'll also show what parts of a project will impact others if they're delayed. So I'm talking things like Gantt charts or bar charts uh, for those of you who might have seen them. And good programs will also show who is responsible for each part. Now, some homeowners I know absolutely love creating their own programs. They think in kind of those sort of terms and those types of of graphics. And there's lots of online resources which can help you do that. And you can even ask your builder or a project manager or an architect to help you set one up. And you know, even if you find one of these people to do it for you on an hourly rate, it will seriously pay just really good dividends in helping you monitor the progress of your project and maintain your sanity whilst you're managing it. If you want to have a go yourself, there's a free one that I recommend called Tom's Planner and I'll pop a link in the show notes. You you can set up one program for free and you can share it with others. Now if you're working with a designer or a project manager for the duration of your project then ask them to create one for you because it will help you see when you're required to provide reviews of uh, different items or perhaps sign things off so that you can actually then schedule the time into your life to be able to turn things around quickly and keep the whole project moving forward ask your builder to create a program for you so that you can understand when your progress payments will be required so that you can manage your cash flow and uh, your bank can be across that if you're if you're financing the build or renovation with a loan and if you're managing your own project or you're doing an owner builder project then you'll definitely need to be doing this program management at a really detailed level. Use it also to help understand when decisions need to be made by for example when materials and finishes need to be selected and ordered because of specific lead times and build in some contingency allow for holidays allow for some wet weather allowance you know check your area's rainfall and wettest times now next let's have a look at money and how you can monitor it in your project's progress Having created your budget, you can then actually generate a shopping list for what you need. So things like, you know, sourcing quotes for products and materials and trades and allocating them against the budgeted amount that you have for them as you go. As the work is completed, make sure that you update your budget so that you're tracking it along the way. The trick in all of this will be definitely managing the time and money relationship because often you might not know that there's an overspend or a variation on a trade until the invoice comes in, you know, sort of four weeks after the work has been completed. So I really recommend that you keep open lines of communication with your builder, with the tradespeople that you monitor and ask how they're tracking so that you can anticipate those budget overruns before they surprise you. There's great apps like Pocketbook which can stream all of your bank transactions from your accounts into the app and then you can allocate them to categories as they turn up in the app and then you can collate them and collate all the data to see the total quantities for those categories and I'll put the link to that app in the show notes for you. Now, given how much money is exchanged electronically these days, pocketbooks are a really useful tool compared to trawling over your bank statements at the end of the month or filing through all of your receipts and putting them on an Excel spreadsheet. You know, if you can track your costs on an ongoing basis and not get carried away with last minute choices and extra spends here and there this is how you can really help manage your budget overall. It's honestly, it's really surprising how quickly all these extras can add up and blow your budget. And I also encourage you not to spend your savings before they're fully realized because this will help you deliver your project at its anticipated cost. So I've spoken about managing time and money to monitor your progress. It's also ideal if you can have some structure in your building process in the actual construction that enables you to actively do this as well. Now I mentioned in the last episode that I really recommend weekly meetings uh, get held on site with your builder and then you need to decide whether it's you attending these meetings or whether you get a representative such as your designer or a project manager and whether you also attend them or you just send them in your place. You know during these meetings this is where you can track how the budget is going, what choices and payments are coming up and are there any selections that are outstanding, any extra information that we could be required because that could cause delays, which can cost extra money, when is your next payment due, when will the work be completed, and making sure that you've got the funds to pay for it. These weekly meetings, they become a great way to give some rhythm and structure to the communication with the builder so that you're not fielding phone calls regularly or we're still, the builder's not communicating with you at all. And they actually rely on you having an organised builder as well. So, you know, having early conversations when you're talking to builders about do they encourage this, do they ordinarily do this, that can be another good sign about uh, how organised a builder is in running their projects before you actually select them for your job. You can also keep track of when all of the bits and pieces need to be delivered to site if you're responsible for sourcing any of them and also if there's any outstanding selections that need to be made. Now, I see people not doing this regular meeting and instead, you know, they'll just turn up to site on an ad hoc basis they'll go to the site for example over the weekend when the builder isn't there and then they'll be you know they'll spot something and then they'll try to communicate issues or changes over the phone or on email or worse still they'll communicate directly with a tradesperson working for the builder that's a huge no-no you just you know because it's the one key way that things will get missed stuffed up or misunderstood create a structure for communication as part of staying on track with your budget and this will help you your project stay on but on track overall and help you stay informed. Now the third strategy we're looking at is to be realistic about your own abilities. Hands up if you're planning any DIY. <laughs> I suspect you may have put your hand up. Look, if you're taking on the role of owner-builder or you're doing any DIY because you're seeking savings in building or renovating your home, I want you to think really carefully, okay? Builders will charge a margin, yes, Uh, however, most established builders, they'll also have access to trade discounts for materials, they'll have preferred suppliers and tradespeople who'll also provide you with competitive pricing, and you know, builders with good track records, they'll pass those advantages on to you. I want you to think about whether you have the skills and the determination to manage the impact of not knowing what you don't know, potentially making mistakes, reworking and the associated time delays that can come with doing DIY or owner builder. There are so many disaster stories that I could share where DIY and owner builder has gone terribly wrong, not just a little bit wrong, like hundreds of thousands of dollars wrong years in time overruns, buildings needing to be completely redone or actually walked away from. It's not for the faint-hearted, it requires knowledge, ability and experience to do it all, let alone to do it well. I really encourage you to be realistic about what time and skills you're capable of bringing to your project and whether they'll help or hinder your cause okay if you don't have the time or inclination to be on site regularly and available to tradies for questions and decisions or if you're not a natural problem solver or not a natural leader or manager you know if you can't handle confrontational conversations you know calling people to account when they haven't done something the way that they're supposed to If you can't be available on a regular basis, then really think about whether it would be better to outsource all management of the project and avoid DIY or owner builder. Now, let's go through those three strategies again to help you with spending and staying on your budget during the construction of your renovation or your new home. Okay, so remember, strategy one is start how you intend to finish and finish how you started. You know, don't be a militant budget keeper during design and then turn into a Kardashian on a shopping spree during your build. If you're being diligent at the beginning, keep that diligence right throughout your project. It can be hard to maintain and sustain just because projects do go on for some time. But it's honestly one of the key ways to make sure that you deliver your project on the budget that you set at the beginning. And strategy two is to monitor your progress in time and money and to create a weekly structure of doing this with your builder on site, working out whether it's going to be you being involved in that weekly structure or whether you're going to be sending a representative on your behalf. And strategy three is to be realistic about your own abilities. Nothing causes stress budget overruns and time blowouts like DIY when you are totally out of your comfort zone and beyond your abilities. You know, sometimes the best choice is to do your regular job and earn the money to pay for those who are more qualified to do your work. And often the worst thing that I see is people will think that they'll do, for example, the painting or something like that, you know, themselves, or they'll do all the joinery and paint, you know, those kind of finishing jobs. And they move into their home and, life gets in the way and and they've invested all this effort and energy and time and money in building and renovating a new home and it doesn't get finished for years and years and years because they just don't have the capacity or time or ability to finish off all those last jobs. Okay, so those are those three strategies that will help you in spending and staying on track in your project. Now that's it for episode eight. So remember to head to the show notes. I've got the links that I've mentioned in this episode, plus I've got a few other links that are are great ones for setting up and managing your budget. There's quite a few tools there so that you can find something to suit you in terms of how you set up and track your budget overall. Now, don't forget to check out Kiko LED and the special discount that they've got for the UA community. I've also popped a blog on the website recently where I've asked Craig Thomas, the founder of Kiko LED, some questions about LED lighting and how to get it right in your lighting design. He's provided some really awesome expert information there. So I'll pop a link to that blog in the show notes so that you can check it out and head to the website for your discount at www.kikoled.com.au forward slash undercover architect Now, next episode is going to be our last for this season. Can you believe it? And to finish off the season, I'll be taking you through the main areas where money disappears in a project. You know, these are the the invisible things in your project that can just totally drain your budget and feel like you're getting very little for the return. And there's, there's, they're really key parts, which can always trip people up when building and renovating, like always. Now, the best bit about this is that when you know what they are, you can do a much better job of managing your risk around them. So until then. Thank you for tuning in to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect. Now, if you head to the Undercover Architect website, you'll see loads more helpful information on how to get it right when designing, building or renovating your home simply and with confidence. Not only can you see all the podcast episodes there, there's also a wealth of written blogs and of videos too, covering all sorts of topics. And there's other ways as well that Undercover Architect can give you more support and guidance for your project. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please subscribe so that you always get notified of new episodes as soon as they go live. And I'd love it too if you could please leave a review. <laughs> I know that iTunes doesn't make it easy to leave a review, but when you do, this is super helpful in spreading the word that this podcast exists to others who really need to hear it to get help with planning their future homes this has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect thank you for listening and for letting me be your secret ally looking forward to next time bye your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.